Thank you, Rick and Jamie. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, the exact same passage of Scripture that we read this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul uses in this uh, passage that we read, the introductory verses, chapter 2, three familiar illustrations. This morning we looked at a soldier, very familiar, in that soldiers were everywhere in every town uh, because soldiers were also law enforcement officers. Uh, your local law enforcement officer was a Roman soldier, so they were very familiar uh, with this uh, illustration. But also we have two more that we want to look at tonight, an athlete and a farmer. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as an officer, as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that it applies to our lives today and our church. Teaches the things we need to know to keep us doing a good job for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If a soldier was a familiar sight in the Greek culture, sports were also very familiar. The Greek and Roman culture were saturated with sports. Now, I know we have no idea what this is all about in Arkansas, do we? We have no idea what this is about in, in, in the fall when college football starts. Uh, we, have, of course, are saturated with sports. And different times of the year have different sports. Now, not only are we dealing with college football, but small school basketball, uh, high school basketball, uh, it's, a big, it's a big thing. People are talking about sports. So when he was talking about sports, this nation was saturated with sports and specifically it was different than we have now. It was wrestling, it was boxing, running, and some sort of gymnastics or gym work that we have listed here. And everyone was familiar because these games uh, were a little regional rivalries and conflicts then you had the big olympics that took place sports were very big and so he was dealing with something that was very familiar and when he said to timothy and of course this letter of course was written and then read in the churches everybody knew what he was talking about first of all this is pretty much obvious winning takes deliberate efforts now i like the king james version here because it says if an athlete strives for masteries, the New King James and other modern English translations just simply says uh, that he, he competes for, uh, for uh, competitions. But we understand that he strives 
for masteries. Now the word strive, it's important. This is the same word that is used in a military conflict when you're in the heat of battle. Now this is important because we realize there's no half-hearted attempts when you're in the middle of battle. And so when he said that the athlete that strives for masteries, he's talking about the intensity and the deliberate focus and effort that the athlete gives to winning the competition. That's exactly how we should apply ourselves to our Christian life. Now, the winner must play by the rules. He must strive lawfully, the King James says, and of course, we must compete according to the rules in some other English translation. Performance, results, scores, and talent take second place to integrity. Regardless of how we may look that we're getting ahead in life, with the Christian, if we can't live by the rules, we have not won anything in God's measurement. And we must play by the rules. Well, well, how do we know the rules? How does the athlete know the rules? If he's going to play by the rules, he's got to know the rules. Well, look back in verse 2. And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. How do we learn the rules? Well, we learn them from the people who are teaching them, and then we teach others. We keep it going. How do we know the rules? How do we know morals? How do we know biblical doctrines? How, how do we have this? Because generation after generation of Christians have been faithful to pass this on and to teach the next generation. Teach the next generation chronologically when it comes to younger people coming up. Teach the next generation when it comes spiritually. When somebody becomes a new Christian, we need to be sure and teach them. That's why we do what we do at the church, to make sure we inform every Christian of how to successfully live the Christian life. We must play by the rules or strive lawfully. Now, the word lawfully is not it is not limited to just playing by the rules. The word lawfully, as is mentioned in the King James, actually has the other implication of you need to strive with intensity and purpose. In other words, winning the game is not going to come just by chance. Just when there's nothing else to do or just when you worked it in at your convenience the one who wins the race is the one who learns the rules and the one who makes the time to train, the one who makes deliberate effort. And that's how it's going to be if we are to have a successful ministry personally and as a church. Now, he was t giving Timothy this illustration because if you remember, one of the uh, athletic competitions wasn't just running a race. It was boxing or wrestling. Now, Timothy did not have the option of choosing whether or not he was going to compete. Timothy was already in the ring. He was at Ephesus. He didn't have the choice to back out of this. He was already in the ring. Now, if you're already in the ring with a boxer, if you lay your hands down to try to get out of the ring, you could get slugged. 
So he said, Timothy, you're already in the ring. You better fight for your life. You better fight and compete and strive lawfully with intensity because you're in it. Now make sure you give it your best shot. It says also he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's quite interesting. We have the gold and the silver and the bronze medals in our Olympics. They had crowns that were woven from olive branches, oak branches, or ivy. And they would weave these crowns and they would have them there. And the winners of the competition would, would win those crowns. You say, man, I don't know about that. What, all right, you got a gold medal over here and a crown made out of leaves over here. I know it, but these were very, very appealing. Somebody wanted but here's what happened. When you won the crown and you stood on that stage and you got the applause, then you took the crown and everybody took their crowns and they gave it back to the emperor. They presented their crown to the king. And you see the picture here. But here's an interesting thing. Crowns were not reserved only for athletics. This morning we spoke of the soldier. Crowns were the equivalent of the medals that we see on the uh, uniforms of the uh, servicemen. Crowns were given to several different people. First of all, we understand the crown would be given to a triumphant general. He would be given the crown. He would have a big parade. It would be a big presentation ceremony, just like the Olympics. And he would come in with all of the celebration. They would put that crown on his head. But also, it wasn't reserved just for the officers. There were many crowns, I read, that were given. And one of these was given to a regular foot soldier. Uh, I think that people call them uh, grunts in the military, the guy with the rifle, the, the lowly private first class right out of boot camp. He could get a crown. He could be standing up there with the general and getting a crown. How would he get a crown? Well, when the military unit was storming the wall and they were trying to storm an enemy position, the soldier who was the first to climb over the ramparts of the enemy's position, got a crown. The one who was willing to be the first to climb up there, he got a crown. But also there's another crown. That's the crown to the commanding officer of any rank, whether it be a general or a centurion or whatever rank, who rescued his position from siege. You're surrounded. And they're about to try to starve you out. But... Somehow, a good commanding officer could get his unit out of being surrounded and, and under siege. He would keep his position from being overrun. Quite literally, he would save the life of his men. What kind of crown did he get? This was quite interesting. His crown was not woven from oak or ivy or olive branches. His crown was woven from the grass of the very spot where he saved his men. And so when he got that crown, that was something. It wasn't just a crown made of any material. That was a crown made of where the action was. He could look at this crown and it had a reminder of where he was and what he did. And of course, 
The whole lesson, according to the athlete and being crowned, is when we strive lawfully, with intensity, by the rules, God is faithful to give us the crowns even when men don't recognize it. Then we have the farmer. The farmer, it says this, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. This word hardworking farmer is in the original Greek translation. The implication is hardworking. He works hard. And three things about the farmer. First of all, uh, farming takes deliberate labor at specific times. We've looked at these principles quite often before. Deliberate labor at specific times. You, you have to play by the rules to be a farmer, don't you? I'm going to plant some peas. I didn't have very many peas last year. I'm going to get an early start. So next week, I'm going to plant peas out there. Now, is, is that going to work for me? That's not going to work for me. Why? Because I have to pay attention to some things that I have to abide by. I have to learn to play by a particular set of rules if I'm even going to farm. I cannot change that. So I have to do deliberate labor at deliberate times. Maybe it comes April or May, and I don't want to mess with peas right now. Nobody got time for that. I'll wait till November. I can't put that off. I've got to do it then. So the farmer knows there's work that needs to be done, and it has to be done now, and it has to be done at an appointed time, and it takes deliberate work if we're going to get a crop. And it takes, secondly, patience and endurance. Some things take time, and that includes the Christian walk. It takes time to develop a moral lifestyle. It takes time. It takes time to break old habits, doesn't it? It takes time to form new habits. It takes time to teach and to evangelize, to pray for someone, and to talk to someone about the Lord. It takes time. Therefore, we need to be like the farmer and stay in it till the crop comes in and not bail out. To stay in it. Now, some things take time, but we are not commanded just to wait on it. You see, the hardworking farmer does just that. The crop doesn't come because he's waited for the crop. The crop has come because he's worked and waited. And there's a difference, isn't it? He's worked and endured and waited. Patience and endurance. Now, Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due time or in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's coming. Harvest is coming. Do our work and then wait on that part that only God can do. And then the last thing, notice what he says. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Now, this sounds like that's a greedy old farmer, isn't it? Well, let's look at it this way. The farmer has to take care of his own strength. And if he doesn't take care of his own strength, there won't be a crop. And he was telling Timothy, Timothy, you have a lot of these people with needs. He was pastoring a church at Ephesus. You have a lot of people with a lot of spiritual needs. You need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure... You're what you need to be. You're where you need to be with the Lord, that you take care of your spiritual strength. The farmer has to be the first to take, partake of the crops. 
when I was in seminary, and Brother Jeremy, you may get this, uh, this discussion. It came up. Somebody, I think, was kind of overthinking things. And we were talking about, of course, Bible study. It says, how do you separate? How do you separate the Bible study that you just do for yourself and the Bible study that you do to prepare sermons? How, how do you separate that? Don't you need to have some over here and some over there and make sure that you're feeding yourself? And, of course, after... 40 years in the ministry, I have learned impossible to separate it. Impossible. There's no way that I'm going to prepare for a sermon and say, well, this is for them, but not for me. I mean, what, what kind of pastor would that be? And then on the other hand, it's not, I'm looking at something, and I say, this is just too good to keep to myself. I'm going to share it with you guys. There is no way that you can separate that. And what he's saying is then, is this, while you are taking care of the flock or the family or the Sunday school class or those that are dependent on you, be sure you take care of yourself spiritually. Look to what's going on in your spiritual life because if the farmer loses his strength, there won't be a crop. He have, we have to take care of ourselves and look after ourselves and make sure we gain the strength from the Lord. Is there anything before we close? Let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Thank you for coming.